0: Welcome back to another episode of the Pig X Podcast. I'm your host, Delaney Howell. And today on the podcast, I'm very excited. We're joined by two industry experts who we've had previously on the podcast, Dr. Darrell Holtkamp and Dr. Chris Rodemaker to talk about staged loading, which is a fairly new concept for the swine industry. And we thought, what better place to tackle a new concept than here on the Pig X Podcast. So without further ado, let's kick it over to my conversation with Darrell and Chris. Well, as we dive into the conversation here with Dr. Darrell Holtkamp, professor in the College of Vet Medicine, and Dr. Chris Rodemaker, clinical professor, swine extension veterinarian and associate director of the Iowa Pork Industry Council, we are chatting today about staged loading. And I think it's a good place to start here, Daryl, with talking about what is staged loading.
1: Yeah, that's a good question, Delaney. And and I think uh, different uh, producers, different veterinarians, sometimes have different things in mind when they hear that term. But fundamentally, what defines stage loading is the ability to be able to create a space between two clean uh, dirty lines. And so the first clean dirty line is typically going to be defined as uh, as the line between the chute and the and the back of the livestock trailer. Uh, that's hauling uh, the pigs in. And stage loading, by the way, is is typically only relevant when, you were, when we're removing pigs. So if we're bringing pigs in, we're not too worried about anything that might come off that trailer, because if there is something on a trailer, the pigs will typically bring it in during transport or get infected during transport. So we're talking about stage loading. We're mainly talking about when we're removing pigs or worried about you know bringing something back from that trailer when, when we're removing pigs, like wean pigs or coal sows from a sow farm. Or, for example, nursery pigs or feeder pigs being removed from a nursery and moved to a finisher. So so that's what we're generally talking. And so the ability to create that space between those two clean, dirty lines, first, again, being between the trailer and the, and the chute. And then the second, then, is typically going to be between the barn and, and some others. In a finisher or a nursery setting, that space in between those two clean, dirty lines might just be a loadout alleyway. In a south farm, for example, you, you sometimes will see in a, a room uh, dedicated to, to that and so the room will typically be big enough then to hold one load of, of the wean pigs or coal sows and and where you typically see those is on negative pressure filter farms, and so they actually may may have built those not with the primary intent of being stage loading but with the primary intent being to create an airlock there, so so they're not bringing in unfiltered air through that that loadout area during the loading process and so that's, but fundamentally, that's kind of what stage loading is. The, the purpose is really just then to prevent uh, bringing anything that might be on that trailer, any viruses or bacteria that we don't want to get back into the farm, trying to prevent that.
2: But Daryl, this is kind of a new and, and novel concept, and I know you've done some research on it, but why do you think in terms of all the work that you've done in biosecurity research and outbreak investigations, why do you think stage loading is so important
1: when we do investigations, we think in terms of the three failures. The idea there is, is that to transmit a virus or a bacteria uh, from one herd of pigs to another, or one group of pigs to another, it requires all three of those failures. And and so the three failures generally are first, whatever might carry that virus or bacteria from one herd to another. And by the way, that is a necessary feature there, right? You have to have something that will carry it as the viruses and bacteria. They don't have wings or legs or anything to move on their own, so they have to be carried. And so we, we sometimes refer to those as carrying agents. To get carried, then a virus or bacteria has to first contaminate a carrying agent. So that may be peoples, that may be a livestock trailer, it may be pigs themselves, but that's the first failure. The second failure is a failure to mitigate uh, that contamination when it occurs. And then stage loading really pertains to the third failure. And that is, is that when that carrying agent arrives at the farm, does that virus or bacteria get from that carrying agent to the pigs in the herd? And in the case of a livestock trailer that's hauling winged pigs or colts sows away, for example, that failure is not necessarily guaranteed, right? There has to be something again that will, will transfer that virus from the, the livestock trailer back into the, to the pigs in the herd. And so that again is where the stage loading comes in is really trying to create a situation where we can prevent or at least reduce the probability that that third failure occurs.
0: Daryl, I wanted to ask another question. You know, as you look at the clean, dirty line that you're mentioning here, is that something that needs to be a physical barrier or a physical line? And how do you go about training new employees to be aware of that clean, dirty line?
1: That was probably one of the take-homes from our study. Because of the Facilities, the setup of the facilities. We did this, and we didn't have the ability to create a physical barrier there. And so, what we would do is we just simply painted a red line on the floor. The problem that created was that people could see that, and we had a a student there when when they were doing the stage loading. And so, you know, the student could observe and make sure that the person didn't go back and forth. Uh, but pigs don't obey that, right? And so there were several instances where during the stage loading days where we had stage loading in place, where, you know, you'd get a pig into the loadout area in between two clean, dirty lines, and then they decided they didn't like it there. And so they headed back into the barn. And and so that happened on a fairly regular basis. And so, you know, I think it it would be if you were to implement uh, this uh, stage loading process in grow finish, I think it would be important to work, and it may require some capital investment to redesign uh, the loadout area to, to make that work. So you could have a physical barrier there to prevent those pigs from going back and forth.
2: Darrell, if we think about the three failures, that whole concept, there is an approach there where you have to have a breakdown in all three of those for that virus or that bacteria to to transmit, right? And and maybe where I'm going with that is there's opportunities for interventions along that pathway to be able to put barriers up to help prevent that? Is that that the right way to think about that?
1: Yeah, Chris. We sometimes talk about the concept of layering. Another term for that is the Swiss cheese model. And the idea there is that if you can sort of reduce the hazards that might lead to all three of those failures, so you can target all three of those failures, that's that's actually ideal, right? Rather than this, just simply targeting the last failure there with stage loading. So if stage loading is the only thing you do, that gives you some protection, but it's better if you can also try to reduce the, the frequency of, of trailers getting contaminated or uh, try to reduce the frequency that you fail to mitigate that, right? And what what I see in the field when we do investigations is especially the larger systems now will have a fleet of trailers and those trailers are being used pretty much at least 5 days a week if not 7 days a week and they're they're contacting lots of pigs lots of different sites right and so now they do that for efficiency's sake right and that and that makes sense from a from a cost standpoint but it does create a significant hazard for those trailers to get contaminated and so then when you proceed to the next step the uh, next failure which is the failure to mitigate that of course you're looking at what they're doing in terms of truck washing and trailer sanitation i see lots of Problems there yet, right? There's some of these uh, truck washes. In fact, when you sort of take the net on balance, they might be a a bigger source of a virus than they are uh, mitigation. I think we got a lot of work to do in, in those areas. And when you look at that and you say, well, you know, we don't expect these large companies to dedicate trailers to specific farms. I don't think that's going to happen. we got a lot of work to do yet in the truck wash, trailer sanitation. Stage loading is something that can be done with a relatively small investment. I mean, probably the biggest issue would be training and and getting people to spend a little bit more time loading those pigs, because it does take a little bit extra time when you designate somebody to be in between those two lines of separation there, right, in that loadout area, typically. And in finishing for example with you'd have one person dedicated there those those are the issues that you deal with chris but idea here is that you look at where those hazards are and you say what can i do to address those in a way that is practical i can get it done and it's not going to cost a lot of money and ideally doesn't require a significant capital investment and stage loading sometimes not always but sometimes would be a good option that meets checks all those boxes
0: Chris, you mentioned that. I think you used the word "newfangled." Uh, that this is newer to the swine industry of doing some staged loading. Was that the term you used, Chris?
2: Yeah, I think okay. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that old old time term for for uh, you know a new technology, right? New and then, in that it's really a new thought process. Like Daryl right. said, it's really a fairly low technological investment. You know, it requires a little bit of labor and in training, but I was really impressed with the study that Daryl did to kind of validate this thought concept. And I really appreciate the layering approach, right? It's like where along that, the three failure, you know, the potential chain where a pathogen could get from one point to another, where can we put, you know, mitigation steps in place? So I I really appreciated the study that Daryl did, and and he could probably Mm -hmm. go into it to say, hey, here's another point where we could say, well, maybe if we didn't do as good a job you know, in the truck wash, or there may still be some pathogens in there, how can we prevent that pathogen that may be in the trailer from getting back into the building? So, Daryl, can you kind of just walk us through how you guys came up with the study and kind of what you guys learned from the age-loading study that you guys did?
1: Yeah, that would do that, Chris. You know, the, the motivation for this study was that Paul Sundberg at the Swine Health Information Center was looking to study some approaches like this that, again, just check those boxes I mentioned earlier, things that, that in some cases people could do fairly quickly, implement fairly quick, quickly without uh, big capital investments. And by the way, I should note, Chris, that In some cases, it would require some capital investment to be able to use the stage loading concept properly. So I don't want to imply that everybody could go out and do this today without any capital investment, but in many cases, they are set up to do that. So the study basically then was designed to look at or to compare situation where we have uh, compared traditional loading and we used finishers or wean to finish barns. So we were looking at studying market loads in this case. We found a company that had enough Barns with similar loadout designs. And we were able to find enough of those then that we could establish 10 days where we had just traditional loading and then 10 days with the stage loading. And in this case, the traditional loading was done with, uh, first of all, a defined clean dirty line between the trailer and the chute. So the driver did get into the trailer to load the pigs, but he was designated to that area and was not supposed to step over into the chute. There was no second clean dirty line. And so the typical situation was a load crew of either three or four people and one or two people, two people typically would be in the pens bringing the pigs into the alleyway of the barn. And then those pigs would get brought down and you had a third or fourth person in most cases, that fourth person who would then pick the pigs up at whatever he intersected them. Uh, and then take them all the way up to the trailer. And so he was walking essentially all the way up to the uh, end of the chute where it met the trailer. And then he would walk back into the barns, including the barn alleyway. And he would often get back two, three pence in uh, before he would have to step out of the alleyway into the pens to let the pigs pass. And then he would pick them up and bring them on. That was the, you know, sort of the traditional model when you look at that and you say, well, you know, where is the opportunity there for that virus to get, you know, sort of drug back off the trailer all the way into the barns. So he was the one that or he or she would be the one that would typically be the the culprit there, right? So the traditional days, we just let them do their thing. And they were very familiar with that. They were quick at it. They they were good at their job, let's say. And on the stage loading days, then we would come in and, and again, add that second line of separation between the loadout alleyway and the barn alleyway. And so the person who was designated there, then that they were to stay between those two clean, dirty lines. And so that shifted the duties a little bit of, of all the people in the loadout crew right instead of having that third or fourth person coming back to meet the pigs, somebody had to bring them all the way to, to him so that they could get him into that loadout alleyway he would take him from there and so that was that was the idea. And so we did 10 days uh, on each of those um, days that meant you know this would be the last of maybe two or three loads we would typically do this only on the last load and then consequently it was almost always in the in the middle of the night and so the grad students and, the, and occasionally myself, you know, we're, we're out there late at night and that were actually worked very well because what we did then is we put a fluorescent, uh, powder, glow germ, uh, brand powder for all the loads. We put that at the back of the trailer. We mixed that up with a little bit of wood chips. And then we learned sort of for some pre steady work that we needed to put a little OB gel in there to kind of keep things in place. Because if we had a windy day that that glow germ powder would typically just blow away right away. And so that was kind of set up. We put that in the back of the trailer and then we let them, the load crew in the, in the, uh, trailer, the driver, do their thing. And at the end of that, then after they left, went on their way, we lights would go down. And then we could go in there with a UVA flashlight. We would measure at designated points uh, the amount of glow germ that contaminated those areas. And we used a grid of, of sorts to to quantify that. So we had a, a grid with with five centimeter by five centimeter squares. And then we would just measure how many of those squares Had contamination. And so at the end of this, then the grad students, and and, uh, Chelsea Rustin, by the way, was the grad student who did this uh, as a species project. She would get a count of all those, they'd record that, and then they would go on. And then the next group would always be at a different location. So we didn't attempt to clean up that fluorescent powder to try to reuse that site. We would always use a different site. And the locations of measurement, Chris, then were not only the chute itself, but also in that loadout alleyway. And then we also measured all the way back to the barn in the in the alleyway in the barn. And we typically would measure out to about three, uh, three pens in. We had five different locations we were measuring there. And so those uh in that barn alleyway were the ones we were most interested in. We wanted to find out where were we reducing the amount of contamination and then measured by that glow germ that was getting carried back into that barn alleyway.
2: But then what you did is if you found Glow German, one of those squares, you just counted that as a positive square. And if you didn't, that was a negative square. And you kind of just did, just counted all the positive squares and then divided that out by the number of total squares. That was kind of how you you, you compared the traditional loading and the stage loading. Is that kind of how you did your comparisons?
1: Yeah, that's exactly right, Chris. And th- this was based on some work we had done earlier with looking at bench entry. And we had designed these uh these grids, so to speak, with PVC pipe and, and fluorescent uh, strings, create a grid of, I believe we had a grid of 270 squares that, that we used for this study. And then we would just, again, like you said, count up uh, those that had positive or had a fluorescence in them and those that didn't, we counted it as zero. So.
2: Oh, that's that's an interesting way to do it. Yeah, I, I recall this, the study you did with Glow German looking at biosecurity efficacy of bench entry. That was really a neat novel study as well. So. I'm sure those that maybe haven't seen or heard of that study are probably kind of itching to hear, well, what did you learn? What what kind of efficacy did you see from the stage loading?
1: Yeah, so, you know, as as I alluded to earlier in response to Delaney's question about did we have a physical barrier there, we did see a a statistically significant reduction in the amount of contamination or glow germ that, that we measured in the barn alleyway. So again, this is that's where we worry, right? Because that's uh, in areas that are going to be, pigs will be able to contact now. So the pigs that remained in the barn, you know, if, if something got drugged back in, what we worried about is, is it going to, you know, are they going to be able to access it? So in those, the five locations that we measured in the alleyway of the barn, we still had contamination on the days we had stage loading. But it was significantly lower, statistically significantly lower in all those locations, I believe, except maybe there was one exception there where it it was still, the magnitude was lower, but statistically it wasn't significant. But but generally the take-home for me was, yes, we could reduce the amount of contamination that got dragged back into the barn. I think because of the way we set it up, not creating that physical barrier, had we included a physical barrier, could we have, uh, if we had done that or been able to do that, I think we could have significantly reduced the amount on the days we had stage loading. We could have reduced that even further, and and so that was uh, that was kind of the main take home for me. The other thing I took out of this, Chris, and that was a couple of things. One is is on every day, whether we had stage loading or not, the first point we measured was in at the top of the chute, so we're, uh, about a foot away from where the livestock trailer was hitting the chute. There, we would measure there and And I would tell you that on every one of the twenty loads that we included in the study, that area just lit up pretty much you had either all two hundred and seventy squares or pretty darn close to it uh, every day that had fluorescence in them so what that suggested to me that is was that if you have a trailer that has contamination on it and you ask yourself you know is it likely that that some of that contamination might get kicked back into the onto the chute? the answer is yes i I think it happens and Specifically, you know the the other thing that was kind of nice about doing the study is we had opportunities to go out and just spend time watching uh, people load pigs. And you know, you see things, uh, for example, just about every load, and, and I, I think I almost would be safe saying every load, the driver would step into the chute, so you know, violate that first clean dirty line, or vice versa, the the loadout crew, somebody on the loadout crew would step into the trailer, and then you know what what happens is pigs sometimes get get to the top of that chute or or the back of the trailer and they lay down and so you know it's it's just it takes some effort to get those up and and it's not easy to do if, unless you can get your footing there and so oftentimes they would step in to do that other times it wasn't clear why they did it they just for whatever reason decided to step in uh, or step across that line but that happened almost every load Pigs get on that trailer. A lot of times they'll lunge and they lunge off their back feet if they lose their footing. That's often where we see just a spray of wood chips and and glow germ getting kicked back into the chute. And so that again happened almost every load. The other thing that you that you see again that was very typical is pigs. You know the idea there again that pigs don't know what a clean dirty line is. They they would get on the trailer and then uh, they would manage somehow to uh, to get off. And and the 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 most comical case I, <laughs> I saw was where a pig uh, got on there and it lay down and, and it and it just acted like it couldn't go any further and, and try as they could. They could not get that pig to get up. The driver was working on it. The, the loadout crew was working on him and he just, he just laid there. And, and so they both gave up and walked in different directions. And as soon as they walked away, the pig jumped up and ran that back down the chute. And so funny to watch that, but it was also an example of something that happened on a fairly regular basis that pigs were going back and forth. And so I think clear demonstration that yes, you know, when we have trailers that have uh, contamination, if we failed to got those trailers contaminated and we failed to mitigate it and they show up at the farm, there is a good chance it'll we'll get back in there. And I do believe the stage loading concept is a good one as you know, it takes some thought to get that done well. But I think if you do it, create those physical barriers, train the people to do that, I think it can work very well. It does uh, require a change in, in how they do things, right? And so. Days where we had to initially, where we had to train the loadout crews to do this, and we pretty much worked with the same loadout crew, uh, but they were uh, really resistant. Right? They they liked doing things the way they had been doing them, and it was a little bit of change of habit for them, change of thought, and it took a little bit of doing to get them to do that. But eventually, they they got onto it.
0: And Daryl, I think that's a good segue to maybe talk a little bit about some take-home messages or about that training component, because as we've talked about, this is newer to the swine industry of doing the staged loadout. And I think as you mentioned previously, it doesn't really affect what truckers do. It really affects what the loadout crew does. How do hog farmers or people working in the swine industry that are listening to this podcast implement staged loading and train their workers to understand how to do it. What kind of things can they take away from this?
1: Glad you brought that up, Delane. There's there's probably two elements to that. One is first of all design. And as I mentioned, you know, most barns I would say were not necessarily designed with the idea of, okay, we want to do stage loading, right? And and that the exceptions there would be negative pressure filtered South farms, you know, they, they build those. They oftentimes will, will add a, a loadout room. Again, the main purpose is uh, to create an airlock, but they also typically sometimes would have that in mind that they could use it uh, as a stage loading area, whether that was intentionally thinking that way or not, that's, that's what, what they were uh, creating. Thinking through at that point, if you're going to build new barn, uh, if you're ret- retrofitting a barn to uh, to go to negative pressure filter filtration, uh, or just want to build stage loading, thinking that through, right, and and thinking about all the little details. And and I say that because the things we run into, especially in these negative pressure filter barns, where you know little things like the slope, right, and so sometimes uh, the slope doesn't run away from the barn; it'll run towards the barn. And and countless times I've seen where the you know either don't have a, a drain in that uh, stage that area or the drain is located right at the the door to the barn, right, and so you've got all of this, you know, when they, essentially, when they go to clean that area up afterwards, right, and that, that would be a typical thing they would do in a, in a sow farm, uh, would be to clean that, that stage loading area uh, before they open the door back up to the barn. Well, all of that water, all that liquid is being flushed back toward the barn, Uh, and in many cases, it, it gets, it just simply washes right into the door, so all that trouble you went to, to sort of Establish that as a as a dirty area during the loading process, and now you want to clean it up before you open it up. Uh, you defeat that whole process because you're flushing all that water right back into the barn. You see lots of issues with sort of the the engineering side of that, and it just wasn't thought through uh, as they were building it. The training side, then, uh, yes, that's that's uh, also going to be important because you do still have people involved in needing to do the things you expect them to do. And, and again, I think, you know, the training on the training side, I, I, I never claimed to be a, a, an expert in how to train people, but I, but I do think, um, the important part there is, is just is follow up and make sure, you know, audit them, make sure they're, they're continuing to do it because it, it, I would tell you, it's not their natural tendency. In particular, I'll just give an example. One thing they complained about is you know, when they, when they were trained, uh, you know, for these market loads, this loadout crew, they were trained and told to help each other out, right? And so what that means is that that person now you've sequestered between these two cleaner lines, he used to go and help them. He would get, go as far as he could to get the pigs and bring them up so that the people getting them out of pens didn't have to walk them all the way to the end, right? So that their their mindset is wait a minute, I that's not what I'm supposed to do, right? I, I've been trained to to help out and not not make people bring the pigs to me. And so it's a it's a whole different change of mindset. And so, you know, again, I'm not an expert in that area, but I but I would say it's we were able to do it after after a couple tries. They, you know, got onto it and and I think, you know, even though it took them a little bit more time, uh, they were okay with it. They understood why we were doing it. And that that's a big part of it too, is, is helping them understand why they're doing that the purpose of that right I think all of those things again when you're training are going to be um, going to be important to time spend the time audit follow up make sure they're doing it uh, convey to them why you're doing it so they understand the importance of it and, and understand why they're being asked to spend a little bit of time the other issue I'll say Glenn, this would be a kind of a side issue is that uh, in this case these were these were loadout crews that were contracted so they were not paid on hourly hourly basis in this case they were paid on a on a job basis. And, and so that also creates a situation where, you know, their incentive is to get it done fast. And and they were very good at that. They did do it very quickly, but it also creates a bit of a a misaligned incentives. And generally uh, these contract crews aren't, they're not audited that much. Uh, And so when you, when you talk to producers, talk to veterinarians about how they do things, they typically don't know. And they, they don't know, you know, when they leave their are they working for other companies working for other at other South farms there's it's a bit of a black box right as soon as you contract it out you lose a bit of control and knowledge about what those people are doing when they're when they're not uh, loading pigs for you and so and it makes it harder to convince them to do things like this because of the misaligned uh, incentives and so I see that as a kind of a trend in the in the pig industry where you know more and more we're relying on that contracted labor and understandably you know labor is a, a big issue today but But I do think it's creating some significant hazards for us that I worry about Uh, if we ever do uh, have African swine fever or other foreign animal disease introduced here. uh, I worry that 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 continued trend or that continued reliance on that contracted uh, labor is going to create problems for us down the road here.
0: Gerald, I think a good place to end it then for today would just be to mention here for folks, if they do want to read a little bit more about some of the research that you've mentioned, that master's thesis you mentioned from your graduate student, how can they find some of those resources?
1: That paper describing that study was published in the September and October issue uh, 2021 in the Journal of Swine Health and Production. And so I Invite them to uh, to find that that article and and uh, and read it. I do think it was uh, there were ser- several interesting take-homes from that, so it's it's worth the read.
0: Well, that does it for another fantastic episode of the PigX podcast, and we would encourage you to find the study Darold mentioned there that he did with his students in order to educate yourself on the benefits of implementing stage loading on your operation. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of the PigX Podcast. Be sure to check back next month for another great discussion surrounding topics in the swine industry. Until then, I'm Delaney Howell, and this has been the Pig X Podcast.
2: Pig X is a national podcast hosted by the Pig Livability Project Partners at Iowa State University, Kansas State University, and Purdue, and supported by the Iowa Pork Industry Center. For more information on the project, head to www.piglivability.org, or to inquire directly with questions regarding the project, email ipic at iastate.edu. X ideas in the swine industry worth sharing.